Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to your go-to Detroit Pistons podcast, The Pistons Pulse, co-hosted by me, Bryce Simon of Motor City Hoops and Detroit Bad Boys, a former D1 Hooper, current high school coach, teacher, husband, and father of three amazing kids. And I'm Omari Sanko for the second Pistons beat writer for the Detroit Free Press. And of course, we are always blessed to be joined by our producer, Wes Davenport. And before we get going, Amari, I do have to apologize to our listeners that I didn't let them know that we were going to drop on Wednesday this week. This was my bad. I overlooked it on the last week's episode, but we did just have some scheduling stuff with the holidays. We were pretty proud of ourselves. We've got a uh, drop every week, Amari, um, but we did have to drop on Wednesday. This just just because of some scheduling stuff. Yeah, just some turbulence with the holidays, but we are back and ready at the top of 2023. And this should be a fun episode. Uh, you know, I think the team is in a unique spot right now, but obviously a lot to discuss. And I think if the organization has it uh, its way and the fan base has it its way as well, um, by the end of this year, uh, the team will be in a, in a different spot. So our, our episode is going to touch on all of that. Yeah, so we're going to do a New Year's resolution episode. We're going to go through the players. Um, hopefully we have time to do some with the organization, GM, Troy Weaver, head coach, Dwayne Casey. May even do some Piston Pulse New Year's resolutions, maybe even individual. We'll see what we have time for. Before we get going, Amari, we did get a new rating and review, and we just want to emphasize, we appreciate these from you guys so much. If you enjoy the pod, please leave us a rating and a review. That truly helps us grow and expand our audience. But this one didn't have a name. It just said Top Notch Pod. This is probably the most level-headed Pistons podcast out there. Keep it up, guys. So not not quite as in-depth as some of the ones we get, Amari, but still very much appreciated. We always like when people leave us reviews. Uh, they're always pretty motivational. Well, I won't say always. I would say 99% of the time <laughs> they're pretty motivational. So uh, let's bump that close to 100. Uh, give us your feedback. Uh, we'd love to see it. So let's get right into this. And we're going to start with, with kind of more of the backcourt players. We're going to talk about someone we haven't talked a lot about I mean, I don't want to say rightfully so, but he hasn't been playing. So we're going to start with Cade Cunningham, Omari. And what is your New Year's resolution? And and this can be like resolution or just something you want to see improved. And we're looking over the next 12 months, like Omari said. Hopefully this team looks vastly different on January 4th in 2024. So let's start with Cade Cunningham and your New Year's resolution for him. My resolution for him is pretty straightforward. I think it's just for him to get fully 100% healthy and to be able to play um, his third season with very little turbulence because it just seems like he's had injury issues. Uh, not anything really substantially bad, obviously, but injury, distress fracture is um, a season-ending one, but not something that should affect him long-term. But even his rookie season, he had the ankle injury that kind of led to him starting off really slow during those first uh, few weeks or month or so. And he had a hip pointer last season and, uh, you know, obviously this is something everybody was dealing with, but uh, COVID, but he's just had all these things that um, have kind of interrupted his progress. And I want to see him get 100% healthy. Let's see him 
play 72, 75, 78, maybe even 82 games next season. Uh, let's get a full season of data and let's see just how much he's able to improve and grow. Uh, without the setbacks he's been dealing with so far. Yeah, you know, we've always talked about Killian Hayes, who we'll talk about in just a second, and the number of games played, right, before we really judge a player. and K through two seasons is only going to have played 76 games, Amari. So the first two seasons of his NBA career, it's just going to be 76 games, just 12 this season. But like you spoke to, even in his rookie season, he only played 64. So, you know, health obviously is going to be a big thing for him. I, I am with you on that for a New Year's resolution. One other thing I would really like to see is Cade back on the bench. And I know right now he's taking care of himself, but I think that leadership that he brings to this team is huge. And I just would love to see him over the next few weeks, hopefully get back with the team. I know right now they're on a West Coast trip, so it probably doesn't make sense, but that would be something I would really like to see here the next few months. And then if we're looking big picture with this game, I mean, the jump shot. Like, I, I mean, at some point he's going to be able to get back in the gym and work on his game. And I want to see him come back and really shoot the ball well to start next season. Yeah, like I think there's probably a list of things we could list for Kate. As far as his New Year's resolutions, and if it weren't for the injury woes, I think that the shooting would probably be the next one. Uh, absolutely. Uh, he has all the tools he needs to be at least a good shooter. Uh, he's good at the line. His mechanics are good. And, um, you know, I've, I've talked about how I don't like comparing him to Luca, but, you know, he kind of has that Luca ability to, you know, maybe his overall percentage isn't great, but he has a tendency to hit them uh, when he needs them most. So uh, just building on that and making it a focal point and fully featured part of his game. Um, you know, just because we did not see him really hit the percentage that he needed to hit last season or really even this season. He actually regressed a little bit this season before the injury. So uh, you want to see that trend up and not down. Before we move to Jaden Ivey, I do want to ask real quick, since the surgery, have you seen Cade Cunningham? Just like when you've been around at practices, shoot arounds, anything like that, have you seen him around the team or any indication of him being around the team? We, we haven't seen him. He was around the team a lot before the surgery, but, you know, obviously there's a, a process after you have the surgery as far as, you know, being bedridden and then uh, just slowly progressing up to where you're you're back at full strength. So my guess is that we'll see him again uh, before the end of the season, but uh, just over the past few weeks, we haven't. Yeah, and again, I would love to see that here, you know, just to see Cade and his kind of personality, and he just has this gravity about him that people, you know, relate to, and I, I do think, well, it wouldn't make a huge impact. I do think his leadership, even on the bench, would help this team. Let's move to the rookie, Jay Nivey, who's kind of been thrust into a crazy role, Amari, because of the injury to Cade Cunningham, and we'll talk about the Killian Hayes, you know, we're not going to dive into the suspension, but we're going to talk about Killian Hayes. I'm sure it'll get brought up, but what would be your New Year's resolution for Jaden Ivey? I want to see him clean the turnovers up. And I think we knew going into his rookie season that uh, the playmaking was going to be inconsistent. Um, we saw that at Purdue last season, uh, he's able to make good passes. He's able to read the floor. But just that possession to possession uh, consistency or really just even the game to game, uh, week to week even, <laughs> consistency hasn't been there. Uh, you know, I mean, he's played hasn't even played half of the season yet. You know, something that could get better. But uh, some of the turnovers he, he throws are just sort of baffling. And he isn't really uh, the overall playmaker yet to kind of make up for that. I kind of went back and forth with somebody after last night's game, uh, which uh, we're not going to talk about much because it was another 30-point <laughs> blowout. Um, and they said that, well, Cade struggled with turnovers too, uh, and we know he'll be fine. Uh, therefore, Jaden Ivey will be fine. 
And I said, well, you can't look at turnovers in a vacuum. You have to look at the overall playmaking package. And uh, there's just some stuff Ivy just has to, to get down. And Dwayne made a good point last night, I thought, as well. I asked him about it, and he said that Jaden's a rookie. Um, you know, they're, they're, they're deaf. That point guard is depleted right now, and he's being asked to do a lot more than you probably want from him as a playmaker. So I think that's sort of being highlighted more than it normally would be right now. And we saw what he could do playing next to Kay Cunningham as well. He looked a lot more comfortable and natural. And maybe long term, he is a, a, a two guard who can make those passes rather than somebody you want doing that full time, which, again, is fine. You have Killian Hayes, you have Cade. That's fine, but at the end of the day, he's a player with the ball in his hands, and you got to be able to rely on him to make the right decisions with it. Even if he's not Chris Paul with it, you have to rely on him to maximize possessions one way or another. Okay, that's a great point, because you're right, that he has to be able to make reads and do things the right way, but I'm also glad that you brought up that you know it's okay if he doesn't play as the primary. Uh, to me, he's just in a role he wasn't built for and he's not going to be successful in as a rookie. Cade's leadership, like we just talked about, was built for him to come in as a rookie and handle these things. To me, it even goes beyond the turnovers, Amari. Like, you can just tell the offense doesn't flow as well whenever Jay Nivey is the or the only initiator on the floor, even with Killian Hayes, who obviously has played better, but still isn't just like this otherworldly point guard, the offense flows better whenever Killian Hayes is on the floor. So to me, I would like to see Jay Nivey's New Year's resolution be just improve his process. And it's it's somewhat the turnovers, but we've talked about this as well. Sometimes it's when he settles for a three or a mid-range pull-up. To me, the process for Jay Nivey is pretty simple. Attack the rim first. If he can get all the way to the rim, he should do it. If he gets cut off, make an easy read to a kick out to a teammate. If that's not there either, take the mid-range and then shooting the three should be third. I feel like just watching as an outsider, sometimes he's predetermining his decisions, Amari. Like he'll have a game where he didn't score the ball well, so he'll come back the next game and he's overly trying to score the basketball. Or he'll have a game where he scored a bunch and maybe there was a little bit of talk about his passing, so he'll come back the next game and he's always looking to pass. Like I just don't think he can predetermine these things and I just like to see his process be a little bit better. With that said, I do want to say, like, I want to emphasize his role right now isn't really even fair to him. And I brought this up because I assume today people are talking about, oh, we should have drafted Shaden Sharp instead of Jaden Ivey. Shaden Sharp is in a far different situation than Jaden Ivey and one that's more conducive to him be successful coming off the bench, not being a primary option in those things. So Jaden Ivey's been thrust into a pretty, pretty big role here in his rookie year. Yeah, that's a good point as well. Uh, if you swapped Shaden Sharp, and Jaden Ivy and Ivy were on a Portland team where you have Simons, you have Lillard, you have several guys who are really good with the ball in their hands. You have Jeremy Grant, uh, you know, you have three players averaging twenty plus a game who are taking pressure off of you, um, not only just as a scorer but as a playmaker as well. Ivy would be able to come in and just attack gaps and uh, just do all sorts of stuff, right? Like I think we would see him play with a freedom that he can't play with on this Pistons team because they need him to be a full-time point guard. And that's not his game, and that's never been his game. And you know, I don't want to criticize him for not doing things that we already knew was going to be a struggle coming in. But the bottom line for him is that he needs a bonus hands one way or another. Like his game is predicated on him getting to the rim and he's going to have to 
make those decisions one way or another. He may not be the primary guy, but even as a secondary playmaker, I think we could see him do a lot more than what he's done so far. I agree. And, and I've made the same argument with Benedict Matherin. And, and you know that I was as high on Benedict Matherin as anybody. I think we, we both liked Benedict Matherin. Benedict Matherin also gets to come off the bench. He's on a team that's better all around. It has their quote unquote star in Tyrese Halliburton, its primary creator. Like it's like just a completely different role. Like this team as a whole, not to get into this too much, Amari, but almost everybody's playing a role above what they should be because Cade isn't there. You know, even Bogey is getting more usage than what he probably should be. The only person I truly think is probably in the role they should be, Jalen Duran probably isn't being asked to do too much, and Alec Burks because they continue to bring him off the bench. Outside of that, everybody's being asked to do too much, at least offensively. And so you're going to have some growing pain. Here's the thing, though. I don't think it's bad long term. Like, it's good to see this three-game stretch from Jaden Ivey and how he's handled this. And maybe he can learn from it and grow. And now you have some film. Now Killian will come back on Wednesday moving forward, and he can play a little bit more off-ball. So I don't think it's necessarily a bad thing, but I do think we've been able to get some takeaways from it. I think from a data standpoint, we're seeing what Jaden Ivey can and can't do. Yeah. And that's... I think from what we talk about, you have a lot of young guards in the room and they're going to have to figure out how to play with each other. If we know for a fact that you need to pair Ivy with a point guard, I think that solves some problems down the stretch. If he's Russell Westbrook and he's going to dominate the ball to the extent that Westbrook does long term, I think that creates problems. If he's not a Westbrook, if he's more of a... Trying to think of it. Hopefully Donovan Mitchell after what Donovan Mitchell did last night. Right, more of a Donovan Mitchell, right? He's not necessarily a point guard, point guard, but you can put him next to a Darius Garland and then he could just go to work, right? Like he could just uh, attack and we have Wes uh, chiming in with DeMar DeRozan, which I like that one as well. You put him next to a point guard, you're in pretty good shape. So that's fine. Like long term, it's, it's, it's fine that Jaden Ivey's not a point guard. It's probably better for the Pistons. It's just right now uh, we're seeing that if you do need to play him at point guard, you're going to have some problems. So long term, probably not an issue. Short term, 100% an issue, um, at least until Killian Hayes gets back against the Warriors on Wednesday. Absolutely. And speaking of Killian Hayes, he's the next on our list. Obviously a guy who, I don't want to say resurrected his career. Like that seems overly dramatic, but obviously came into the season with some questions. Didn't have a first 90, 100 games of his career that was very good. And then he's played pretty well over the last four to six weeks. What would be your 2023 goals or resolutions for the young Killian Hayes? For him to continue playing with confidence, I think, is the number one thing for him. And I will also say that the consistency for him is better. But if you look at his last 12 or 13 games, uh, he's back in that slump again. And I say slump, but really he has to prove long term that he can be an efficient player. So that's closer to the norm for him. Bottom line for him, if he keeps playing with confidence, I think he will be fine. He will probably never be a guy that's going to consistently score 15, 16 a game on good efficiency. But you look around the league at different backup point guards and there's still absolutely a role for a player who is as good a passer as Killian, a good a defender as Killian, and can still occasionally pop off and give you a lot of points as well. Uh, I think we've still seen overall that He's improved offensively, even if he's still kind of ebbing and flowing over the course of the season. So for him, just don't lose confidence. Uh, Keep up the way you've been playing. Keep leading the team emotionally. Uh, Just keep showing the growth you've been showing because he's on the right track, even if, again, you look at the efficiency and it's still sort of wavering in a way where you want to see it. Just continue to be on an upward trajectory. 
we're on the same page. I, I literally wrote, do not let anything change the headspace that he is in. Like that is my only New Year's resolution for Killian Hayes. It seems like he's in a good headspace. It seems like he's confident, borderline arrogant. He's talking trash. He's, you know, he's talking to the crowd. He's talking to the other team's bench when he hits it. Like, I love that stuff. I, I absolutely love it. I think that's the kind of arrogance and the confidence and ego you need in the NBA. And my biggest worry coming from this suspension is that maybe he dials it down, you know, and, you know, it, deservedly so he got suspended, deservedly so he was upset. And we don't have to dive into all of that and, and what happened. But I don't want this to change kind of his mentality and how he's been playing because I feel like at the end of the day, Omar, I feel like he did used to let himself get punked a little bit. Like he would let guys talk trash and get in his head and he didn't necessarily respond. So again, I'm not condoning what he did to Mo Wagner, but I'm just saying that I like that he's standing up for himself and he's playing with confidence and arrogance. And, you know, like I belong here. I'm a part of this. You can't just hip check me into the crowd because I'm Killian Hayes. Like I, I, I'm somebody in this league. So I just don't want that to change. Whatever it is, if he misses some shots, if he goes back to the bench, if whatever it is, I don't want that headspace to change for Killian Hayes. Keep playing with that fire. Keep playing with that pride. If you do that, everything else should fall into place. But he just can't go back to the headspace he was in over the last three, first three weeks of the season. If he does that, then it's not going to work out for him. Yeah, I, I put let his personality shine. Like he has this personality that I feel like we've got to see. He's let us see and just let that continue to grow and shine. So we're going to do one more. Sadiq Bay. I mean, I guess he has been playing as the two in the starting lineup since Killian went out over the last three games. So we'll keep him here before we move to some of the more forwards and bigs after the break. Sadiq Bay, Omari, it's been... Man, I don't know. It's been up and down, I feel like, you know, going through his whole career, going through this season, even within a game. Like, I'll be honest, I don't even know what to think about Sadiq right now. Like, I used to be probably more down on him than the fan base because everybody thought he was a number two option, and I wasn't sure I saw that. Now I feel like a lot of the fan base doesn't even think he's a part of this core anymore, and he'll be gone in the offseason. Like, this may be the player I have the least grip on in terms of his future with this team. So what would your New Year's resolution be for Sadiq Bey? My New Year's resolution for Sadiq Bey is to get back to his bread and butter. Just come in, embrace the role you had at Villanova, and your rookie season and just shoot the ball. Okay. I think he's gotten into his head. And I think last season when the coaching staff gave him the freedom to expand his game, uh, he showed mixed results with that, right? I think he got better in it as the season went on. But we saw it last season and we've seen it this season that it's almost like he's thinking too much when he plays. Well, it's not almost like he is thinking too much when he plays. I think we have seen it. That's pretty clear for him. And if you're passing up or just second guessing wide open threes and you're not attacking the game as this is my best weapon and this is the best skill I bring to the team and they need that. And I need to make them and I need to go in with the mindset that I need to be one of the best shooters in the NBA. Uh, for him, it all starts with that. Uh, we've seen him sort of work inside a lot more, which again, it's had mixed results. He's having his best season as far as two point percentage, but that's also regressed a little bit compared to a pretty strong start inside the arc to begin the season. At the end of the day, he has to be able to fall back on that three-point shot, and he's having his worst season as a shooter. And that's, that has to be his bread and butter, period. Uh, the touch inside may come and go. That's been a growth area for him. But if he's not shooting the ball well, all the rest of his game is going to suffer. 
And I think we've seen that this season. So I think he really just needs, whether it's over All-Star Weekend or just over the summer or what, just get back to basics, simplify it, um, just see some shots fall for a good month or two. And then from there, maybe the other parts of your game begin to fall into place naturally. Like as for Isaiah Stewart, we see him, you know, developing his dribble drive game on the fly. Now that he's knocking down threes, uh, we know Sadiq can shoot, but he hasn't been shooting it that well. So he has to get back to that. Yeah, I mean, I was having this conversation the other day around the contract stuff that we've talked a little bit about, Amari. I don't know how much you can pay a guy who is a career under 40% shooter from the field. Sadiq is 39.9% from the field for his career. He's also, that happens to be what he's shooting this year. But the, the most concerning thing to me is the numbers are almost down across the board. The field goal percentage is pretty much level. Three-point percentage is down. His free throw attempts are up, which speaks to him going to the rim more. Rebounds are down. Assists are down. Steals and blocks are relatively the same. So the three-point shooting has gotten worse. The two-point percentage has gotten a little better, but then nothing else has improved. His minutes aren't even down that much. They're down four minutes a game. So it's not like that's skewing the data a lot. I put He's got to find his role. And maybe it's what you said. It's, it's off the bench. It's come in and it's bang threes. If that's what it is, then he needs to do it. I'm, I'm about to drop a piece where I went back and watched every single three-point attempt of his this year, Amari. And I tracked, like, did he step with his left right or his right left? Was it a catch and shoot? Was it off the dribble? All of that stuff. Just to see if I could find some consistencies or inconsistencies in his shooting. And he's been shooting it better of late for sure. But he's just have never really truly found that consistency throughout his career. Even if you go look at his game logs, Amari, even in like his rookie season, it was like 2016 and then a four point game. And then it was 10 and then it was 24 and 51 and then back to 10. You know, like it was just, it's always up and down. And I would just, I would love to see him find his role and then find a consistency in what he's bringing to the table every night. His shot diet, I think a lot of that just starts with shot diet I agree. in general. Because when you look at per 100, uh, he's taking, the most shots he's taken aside the arc ever. Uh, he's only slightly ahead of last season. He took 9.5 two-pointers last season. He's at 9.7 right now. Um, he took 5.9 as a rookie, so that's going up a lot. Uh, the problem for him is that he's taken fewer three-pointers every season, and his percentage is going down every season. <laughs> as a rookie, That doesn't make took, sense. Yeah, which is not what you want to see. He took 11.8 three-pointers a game uh, per 100 his rookie season, 38% clip, which is fantastic. Last season, 11, slight decline, 34.6%, pretty average. This season, nine three-pointers, 32.3%, which is bad, obviously. So, again, that's got to be his bread and, and, and butter. And if you're regressing as a shooter, then that's not going to help the rest of your game. So it would help him and it would help the Pistons if he just said, you know what, forget everything else. I'm just going to shoot the ball and be good at that. And that'll be my value to the team. And I think that would help everybody. You know, you can understand the percentage going down if the volume was going up, but man, it's hard to stomach it when the volume's going down along with the percentage. Like that's just, that's not a great trajectory to be on. Even though shooting, especially from three, can be a little bit of a roller coaster throughout a player's career. And before we go to break, I just do want to mention, he also has to figure out who he's going to guard defense. Like there's a whole lot of role stuff with Sadiq Bay in terms of, are you a starter? Are you a bench player? Are you a three point shooter? Are you a driver? Are you trying to do both? And then are you a three man or a four man? Who are you going to guard? And so I just, there's a lot of questions. It may be the player for me that there's the most questions around with his role and his uh, game with this team moving forward. But we're going to take a short break right now. And then when we come back, we're going to talk about maybe the two most exciting players. And that's the front court of Isaiah Stewart, Jalen Duran, and also some of the other forwards and bigs on this team.
I'm Melissa Robinson for the Detroit Free Press. When you wake up every morning, what's the first thing you do? Check your email? Me too. And when you sign up for our daily briefing newsletter, you'll get all the latest news sent directly to your inbox so you can wake up and be ready for the day. We also have newsletters about COVID-19 in Michigan, the latest entertainment headlines, as well as Woodward 248, a newsletter specifically for people living and working in Southeast Oakland County. And don't forget about automotive headlines and all the latest news from our Michigan sports teams. We have a newsletter for every personality and preference. Just head to freep.com forward slash newsletters to sign up for any one of these great options and more. All right. We are back with segment two of our Pistons New Year's resolutions. And we're going to lead off with Isaiah Stewart, who I think has um, really proven himself as a shooter this season and just overall as an offensive player, we're really seeing him um, make a lot of leaps at once. And overall, I would say that he's probably ahead of schedule compared to what we could have expected from him this time last year. Uh, My resolution for Isaiah Stewart is to continue to grow as a playmaker. Uh, I think right now we see that his shooting is good. He's around 36%. If he maintains that the rest of the year, Fantastic. If he's a 36% shooter the rest of his career, I think the Pistons will be very happy with that. And who's to say he won't even get better, right? So uh, let's say the shooting's proven. I like that he is trying to develop that high-low game with Jalen Duran. And I like that he has embraced that he's a four and he's going to have to do four things. Like he's looking for those passes. Uh, He's bringing the ball up here and there. Uh, He's doing a lot of stuff to just develop his game as a passer and as a ball handler. And from here, he can make those things featured parts of his development because those aren't things that he's worked on as much as the the shooting. If he came into next season and he could reliably get during the ball uh, when the defense comes up too far and you can get him easy dunk or loud or whatever it is, and when he's at the top of the key and a defender closes out, he's not shuffling his feet and, and, and traveling like he has a tendency to do now. He's just making decisive decisions with the ball, keeping his head up, and then maybe you're finding Duran down lower, maybe a shooter in the corner. We're seeing him trying to do those things now, and the results have been mixed. But the resolution for him is just simply to continue to experiment with those things this season, uh, make those future parts of your game, get comfortable, and then continue to build that momentum going into your fourth year. So just a really quick finish off the Sadiq Bay stuff. Isaiah Stewart only shoots one less three per game than Sadiq Bay does this season. And they play essentially the exact same minutes. So that's, I think that speaks to Sadiq Bay and what we talked about with the three-point shooting. I think it also speaks to what you were talking about with Isaiah Stewart and how this three-point shooting has really come around for this kid. Like, this is impressive. This is beyond what I expected. Him shooting, what is it, four a game and then also at 36% a game. So like, that's, that's really good sign. I think the word that comes to mind with Isaiah Stewart, and we talked about this with Jaden Ivey, I think Isaiah Stewart actually has a really good process right now, Amari. Now, the results aren't always there, right? In, in the game on Monday night against the Blazers, remember the lob he tried to throw to Jalen Duran? Uh, you tweeted it out, and I responded to you, it, and we both agree, I think. I don't want to put words in your mouth. It was the right play. Like, he absolutely should have thrown a lob pass to Jalen Duran. It just was an awful pass. Like, he just missed it short. And he missed it short because a couple weeks ago, he made the right pass to throw a lob to Duran, and he air-melded into the stand. So, to me, he his process is good, Omari. He's shooting when he should shoot. 
He's attacking closeouts when he should attack closeouts. We've even seen him some like some jelly with some finger rolls and some same foot, same hand finishes, and then driving kicks. He just has to continue to get better at those things. But to me, the fact the process is as good as it is for Stu, that's really, really exciting. If you didn't see the process, then we would be having a different discussion, right? We'll be saying, we don't know if Isaiah Stewart can do these things. And maybe he's just a three and D four, which again, a, a player you can build around uh, serves an important role, especially when he could defend multiple positions. But caps his ceiling as an overall power forward. But we are seeing that he is making the reads he should be making and he's processing the game the way he should be processing it. Uh, he's seeing the plays he needs to make. And for him, that leads me to believe that it's just reps. It's just him doing it more, uh, him doing specific drills in practice, making it a focal point of his offseason regime, and just getting those reps down. Uh, I think mentally he's right where he needs to be, if not ahead of schedule, considering that this is a role he's never really played before. Uh, he's an extremely smart player. Uh, he knows what's needed from him. He's embraced that head on. And he also understands just how much of a weapon Jalen Duran is, which I think is fun that Isaiah Stewart was drafted to be the center. And then they were like, <laughs> actually, you're a power forward and we're going to bring in a center who's bigger and more athletic. Isaiah Stewart's just like, yeah, cool. All right, that works. Uh, you know, I'll just start shooting threes and, you know, bring the ball up the floor and, you know, developing a high-low game. And he's like, I've never done these things before, but I'm just going to do it. And he's been doing it. So uh, for him, just reps, uh, sticking with the process, I think that, by well, this time next season, he will be dramatically improved in both of those areas. Before we move to Jalen Duran, you brought up something that was also on my list, and that's just for him to continue to grow as a vocal and emotional leader. We've talked about it a little bit, like how we kind of feel like he's the soul of this team, especially with Kate out. He's probably the heart and soul and everything else because he's probably the one other guy that's here long term that you know can really be a leader. So I, I want to see him continue to hold teammates accountable and be vocal out there and just be an emotional leader. Um, let's talk about the rookie Jalen Duran, his front court mate. Like I, I'm super excited about these two. Me and Wes were talking about this the other day. We were text, like, I think both of us are on the same page that this is probably the most exciting part of this Pistons team right now, especially with the Cade injury and some different things. I, I really like this front court. I knew I was going to like it defensively, Omari. Offensively, it's been even better than I could imagine. But specifically to Jalen Duran, what is your New Year's resolution? I want to see him develop a post hook. Okay. I think he's exceeded he's exceeded expectations already because we were and not just us. I think everybody uh, we kind of talked about what is his realistic best outcome next season. And with a player who's 18 years old going into the rookie season, you always sort of push expectations back, right? Like maybe by All Star Week and he's doing this, or maybe by March he's doing that. And he's been doing all these things since opening night, so. He's already ahead of schedule. I want to see him become just a little bit more of an offensive weapon. I think just the natural growth he'll have as a rebounder left and she's already pretty great at those things. And I, defensively, I don't necessarily want to make a year's resolution for him to get better because I think he has the instincts to get better. I think a player that young is going to have deficiencies for obvious reasons, but I'm just banking on him developing in that area naturally. I want to see him get a little bit of a post look down. Uh, sometimes he gets caught on an island and teams know that his feel when he's not just catching a lot or dunking the ball is not quite there. So I want to see him get a little bit more comfortable. Uh, we've seen him sort of dabble with a hook or a mid-range shot here and there, but just getting that touchdown, I think would really open up some more things for him. And 
you look at players like, you know, I'm not saying he's going to shoot threes like like Brick Lopez, but one thing that makes Brick great is that, yes, he's a good defender. Yes, he can hit threes, but you could also just give him the ball and he can make things happen. That's always been a part of his game. And there's still a role for that. So maybe not the most important part of Jalen Durant's development, but I think it would just help him in the offense a little bit more if he did have that touchdown low and he could make plays happen on his own. Well, I think bringing that up just speaks to the upside that we see in this kid, the ceiling that we think he can have. And I definitely, I am going to bring up the defense, Amari. You know that I can't help myself talk, <laughs> talk about defense, but I did have the offensive growth with non-dunk finishing is what I put. So like we're on the same page there. Like, yeah, he's going to catch a lot. His offensive rebounding legit is elite in the NBA. It's fantastic. It's yeah. unbelievable, man. Like, and he's gotten really good at the little tip outs, you know, and I don't even know if he always gets credit with offensive rebounds for those um, in the NBA stat keeping is interesting and kind of wonky sometimes but he creates a lot of extra possessions like I think we can say he does it at an elite level at 19 years old so that's incredible his passing flashes have already shown I think we know he's gonna be able to short roll pass and do do some of those things so I think you're right like whether it's like a mid-range 15 foot jumper whether it's a like a true sort of post-up game where he can just jump as high as possible and shoot a little jump hook I do think that that would be a huge part of his offensive game I would like to see the defense get better specifically in ball screen coverages, Omari, I will give it this caveat. Like, I don't know that he's going to get better individually until this team gets better as a team, though, and that's probably not going to happen this year. So, like, to your point, I don't know that we're going to see a whole lot of improvement from this team or anybody as an individual throughout the season. Um, obviously, that's going to be something they're going to have to address in the offseason. But I, I did a full breakdown on his ball screen coverage, and he does have some bad habits and some things that he could definitely get better at. But I, I love the ceiling, and, and I love that you went there with the kind of touch around the basket or jump hook finishing. I mean, again, he has exceeded expectations, and anything significant he adds to his game at this point in his career is gravy because you can project some things naturally that he's going to get better at. But for him, if he can just knock down shots or the post hook or whatever, I think that would give him even more utility on offense. And I think he could do it. Uh, we'd see him work on his jump shot uh, with Isaiah Stewart and Marvin Bagley after almost every practice. that has been a focal point of his development already. And they're not going to have him do it this season. I don't think I'd, I'd, I'd be shocked if we see him uh, – start checking threes by the end of the season like they did Isaiah Stewart in his rookie season. But long term, I think that that's something that he'll eventually begin to show. Let's move to the other big on the roster, one that's kind of been injury prone here lately, and that's Marvin Bagley III. So first, Omari, do you have any updates from the injury on Monday night? I don't think you've got to go to shoot around or practice today, so you probably don't have anything for us. I don't know if you had anything post-game yesterday. And then on top of that, what is your New Year's resolution for Marvin Bagley? No update on the hand. Uh, I actually missed when it happened during the game. I yeah, think I he just knocked him on something, so I'm not sure exactly how serious it is. And we're recording this Tuesday morning, so uh, I'm actually going to be at uh, practice today in a couple of hours. So um, maybe by the time people listen to this pod, an update will be out there from yours truly. Uh, but as of right now, no. Uh, my resolution for Bagley is just we've seen games where he can be a pest on defense, which I think for him is probably his best role where he has active hands and he can, you know, deflect shots and maybe he's not the guy you want switching and uh, being in an Isaiah Stewart role. But if he can just give some utility on defense and be a net neutral, uh, you combine that with his touch inside and his ability to put up points in a hurry here and there. And you have a pretty solid two-way big, right? Like he's not going to be 
Rudy Gobert. He's not going to be Isaiah Stewart, right? But you want to see him do a little bit more, whether it's just creating turnovers or holding his own in in the paint when guards challenge him or they try to run a post-up for a big. Because uh, we see him have a pretty good defensive game maybe once every six or seven games. And ideally, you would want to see that become at least one in every two. So uh, he has the, the tools to do it for him. It's just doing it. So that's what I want to see from him. Yeah, I think there's been some signs of defensive improvement. Like, at least he's been disruptive. We've seen him block a couple shots and get some deflections. I just put, like, find whatever it was that led to the success last season. I just don't feel like he's found that same role and that same success that we saw him when he averaged 15 points a game through the last 18 games of last season. And so, like, I would just love for him to find that again at some point throughout this year. And, and unfortunately, it seems like all of a sudden he's been getting banged up, and so he hasn't been able to find consistency minutes he was hurt then he was off the bench and then he started for a few games and he was off the bench and then he was hurt again he came back you know like he's just kind of bounced around so I'd love for him to find some consistency let's keep moving here like this one will be interesting uh Boyan Bogdanovich having a career year with the Pistons especially in terms of scoring I do want to mention like I feel like he's been passing the ball really well the last three or four games, more so than what we had seen earlier this season, which has been impressive from Boyan. Uh, hopefully he is demonstrating that in for other teams. Uh, that's my opinion anyway. But what's your New Year's resolution for Boyan? Boyan is a bit tough, right? Because <laughs> yeah. he's been so good offensively, even by his usual standard. And maybe there are times where you see him do too much on the floor, but I think some of that is a byproduct of just the lack of playmaking on the roster, which, of course, Cade being hurt sort of lowered the ceiling for this team without in, and everybody's having to do a little bit more uh, than you would like. But as a whole, Bogey's been really good. And it's also tough because he's in his mid-30s, so it's like... <laughs> what are you going to improve on? <laughs> what are you going to improve on? I would say for Bogey, because he is presumably in the back half of his career, uh, still playing at a high level, but, you know, five years from now, we still be playing at this level, probably not. Uh, 33 years old, uh, turns 34 this year. Uh, in his he, next season, going into next season, just if he is 85% as good offensively as he is now, that would still be fantastic for the Pistons. So my resolution for him is just keep it up. Uh, keep starving off father time. Starve off father time. I don't know if that's a resolution. Like, I don't know. That's not even <laughs> up to him, right? Like, that is, like, his body and his physiology. Like, there's no way he could purposefully do that. <laughs> so, I don't know if that's a good resolution. That's mine for him. Just keep the consistency through next season. Uh, don't let your body break down. Don't let the, you know, the things happen when you're, you know, around that age start to happen. Uh, just keep playing at a high level. Uh, biggest player. And if the Pistons can get, Anything close to this Bogey next season with, you know, the cast space that was summer and never draft pick case back this and that. Uh, you're probably in pretty good shape, at least as an offensive team. So that's my resolution for him. That is uh, more of a maybe wishful thinking, I guess. But that's my resolution. Find the fountain of youth. I would find like the, fountain of youth, yes. I would like Bogey to find the fountain of youth while he finds a new home with a different team. I, I, I am on, I have nothing against Bogey because I'm with you. I think the reason we see so much usage from him is because he's forced to have that type of usage with this team. I am kind of 
my off-season plan right now, and this is always subject to change, but my off-season plan right now would to be move on from Bogey, depending on what the return, right? There's always context. Like I wouldn't trade Bogey for a second round pick if that's the market. But if you could get a first round pick, mid first round pick, I like a lot of wings in this draft in the mid first round. And so I would move on from Bogey. That's just my opinion. I know a lot of people will disagree. I know a lot of people are tired of flipping these guys. I'm sure after Jeremy Grant went bananas on Monday, I know I had some of those discussions on Twitter about Jeremy Grant and the trade and all of that. I know people are tired of it. Um, That's just what I would personally do. Let's get a couple more in here before we go to break. Isaiah Livers, not a guy we've got to see a play a whole lot this season, Omari. Hopefully we're going to get to see him soon. I know he was practicing and then he had a little setback. What's the New Year's resolution for Isaiah Livers? Yeah, Livers is in a unique spot just because I feel like we were both pretty high on him coming into the season. He's had some injury issues and he hasn't also quite shot the ball as well as you would hope. Uh, for him, it's, it's just getting back to being the shooter that we know he is. He's had an interrupted first half of the season. And uh, long term, I don't really have any questions about his jumper, but that's going to be his primary utility for this team. And they didn't come in and be an elite shooter. And if he is that, then especially if you look at the, the team now, I think Hami's played really well. And Kevin Knox, he's been a little bit more up and down, but he's pretty. I shot, shot the ball pretty well all season. And both of those guys have been sharing minutes at the four. But I still think Isaiah Livers could kind of lock that position down himself just because of what he brings you defensively. He's got a little bit more size than Hami. And I think he can shoot just as well as Kevin Knox has this season. So for him, it's just coming in, shooting the ball. Stay healthy, obviously, but his resolution for me is just uh, shoot the ball as well as you did in college and as well as you did last season. And if he does that, I still think he could be a really key role player for the same. I'm in the same boat. I I said health, you know, get him on the floor, get him healthy, and then get those minutes and opportunities to show himself and prove himself because he is a guy I'm still high on because of all the things you talked about. Let's do Kevin Knox. What is your New Year's resolution for Kevin Knox, who, you know, had a really good stretch of games and then Hami got an opportunity to Hami's credit. He's taken advantage of the opportunity. And now Kevin Knox seemed to, you know, taking a little bit of a backseat. So what's your New Year's resolution for Kevin Knox? New Year's resolution for Kevin Knox is pretty similar. Just continue shooting the ball at a high level. Uh, this year has really been like it has a bit of breakout season, but I think it's been the season he's always been capable of having where uh, he's shooting the ball pretty well. He's pretty efficient overall. Uh, he can give you he gives you some size on defense. Maybe the execution isn't always there, but he has a, a big body with the size to defend a lot of different positions. And uh, just keep shooting the ball well. Just keep the momentum going you have now. Uh, I think it's really helped him. It's really helped him to have a season where he's had a consistent role from game to game, which that's largely because because of injuries. But if he continues shooting the ball, I think he'll continue to have a role. I'm the same way. Consistent jump shot. That's the thing he does the best. His defense has been better than expected, but his role, his ability to play on an NBA court really comes down to knocking down open catch and shoot threes. We're going to go to a short break here. And then when we come back, we'll finish out the roster with some quick hitters on Alec Burks, Corey Joseph, some other veterans, and then get to head coach Dwayne Casey, the front office, this organization as a whole, and maybe even get Omari and I's individual New Year's resolution. All right. Hey, Carlos, just a quick idea. How about if I say, hey, this is Sean Windsor, and you say, hey, this is Carlos Maros, and I'll go, and then we'll go back. You want want to try that? Yeah, that sounds good. Okay. You ready? Yep. Hey, this is Sean Windsor. And this is Carlos Menares. And we are the team behind Free Press Sports with Carlos and Sean. 
where we are going to talk about, you guessed it, sports, but lots of other stuff. Like what, Carlos? Oh, we're going to talk about your favorite subject, Sean, food. Um, probably more food. Arts, culture, sports, TV, movies, you name it. If it's happened in Detroit, we're going to talk about it. And sometimes we're going to have guests in who obviously know a lot more than we do about just about everything. But we're going to have some free press journalists to talk about big stories, folks from the sports world. We're going to be out every Thursday. You can find this podcast wherever you find your podcasts. Apple, Spotify, Google Podcasts. We hope you'll join us. All right, we are back with segment three, and we've gotten through most of the queer roster. So of the rest of the roster, we're just going to pick one guy from each. And Bryce, I'm going to let you lead this one off. Uh, of the remaining players, sort of, what's the player you're focusing the most on, and what do you want to see from them in 2023? I actually went off script here a little, Omari, so you can still just do one. I did all five, but I'll do. I'll go really okay. quick. So, Alec Burks, I want him to have a home in Detroit. I want Alec Burks to stay on this team. I love the role. I think he can stay in the role for the next year or two. I love the contract he's on. So, Alec Burks, home in Detroit. Corey Joseph, I would like for him to get a role on the Detroit Pistons coaching staff and off the active roster. I know we've been fans of Corey Joseph Omari, but I do think his game has slipped, and I think we've seen that. Rodney Magruder deserves a lifetime contract. He's a pro's pro, and you know, as Mr. Blaha says, Nerland's Noel, he needs a new home. And then Hamadou Diallo, again, has had some really good stretch of play. My pitch for Hamadou Diallo, he should play two four-minute stretch every single game like just come in influx of energy enthusiasm cause some havoc and then get him out of the game before he makes a mistake so those are my new year's resolutions for those five players i am going to do alec burks and i'm going to say it's pretty similar to you like just keep being alec burks i think he's been absolutely fantastic for this team this season uh, i still don't know how he draws those shitty files <laughs> it doesn't really like i've seen him do it a hundred times it still doesn't really make sense how he does it like i <laughs> i don't know how he does it he just sort of flings himself into guys and it, it works every single time like i've never i haven't seen too many players with that ability and he's able to do it every single night um but you look at just the bench offensive weapons the pistons i've had and i mean i'm watching you know i'm born and raised in Detroit, watching the same since i was a little kid they haven't had many spark plugs like alec burks like this is a guy that could have helped every single good Pistons team in the history of the entire franchise. Like you could put them on any team. And I think he would have had a role and a pretty important role at that. And if the Pistons can make a leap for it next year, uh, you pick up his team option for 10 million this summer and kind of like bogey. If he's still mostly the player he is right now, that's a really important weapon for you to have. And uh, he's just a lot of fun to watch. So Alec Burks, just keep being Alec Burks. Uh, I think if he does that, uh, he'll be in a really good spot here. Real quick, I know people say, well, why do you want to trade Bogey and not Burks? I just think Burks' role fits perfectly what this team needs. And and I would f- feel like you have to ask Bogey to take a different role in a backseat next year, which if he's willing to do it, then, then I would change my thoughts about trading him. But I just think Alec Burks is this you know, score off the bench at the two is perfect for what this team needs. And he seems happy in doing so. So let's move to some non-players now, Omari. We'll start with head coach Dwayne Casey. I'm sure this would be very interesting if we ask for the fan base's New Year's resolution for Dwayne Casey on Twitter or in the comments. So do feel free to share what your New Year's resolution would be for any of these players, for Coach Casey, Troy Weaver. Um, Let us know on Twitter, in the comments, on any of the websites, wherever you listen, leave it in a review. But Omari, 
Ari, what would be your New Year's resolution for head coach Dwayne Casey? See, this one is tough because I know a lot of people criticize Dwayne Casey's rotations, but I see who he puts out there, and I think he's always been a rock and a hard place because either you're going with your young first unit, which is very mistake-prone, or you're going with your second unit, which has been one of the highest-scoring units in the NBA. Uh, like, I know people hate seeing the bench out there, but their bench has been consistently better than the starting five. So when he rides the bench out, I don't really have a problem with that. Like, we even saw last week, like, the bench can close games out. Like, I don't think it's inherently a problem when he rides the bench longer than people think because, like, yeah, you know, the young guys in this team tend to be pretty mistake-prone, and you have to find a line between developing and winning, which is probably going to vary from game to game or even from week to week, right? It just sort of depends on the needs of the team, individual players, game flow. A New Year's resolution for Dwayne Casey. I feel like that is tough because he doesn't have, like, the roster he probably needs to, like, really do what he wants to do. I can go. You want me to go? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to let you go and then yeah, come, no. come back to me. No, I'll go. I put thick skin because it's going to, okay. like, the fan base... It's always been a thing, Omari. You know, we've been here the same amount of time. We both started 2020. And it's always been a thing, I feel like. Even maybe not right from the start, but pretty quickly, I started to hear the Dwayne Casey critiques. And it's gotten the most it's ever been. Every loss is his fault. Every bad performance is his fault. And I'm not saying he's immune to responsibility for some of these performances. But we even heard the players come out in his defense a a week ago saying, this wasn't on Dwayne Casey. This is on us. So thick skin and he's been around long enough like I'm sure it doesn't bother him he's heard everything but I also would just pitch some patience from the fan base like this team wasn't that great to begin it it all comes down to expectations the expectations in my opinion were too high coming into the season for most of the fan base once we saw what this team really was we needed to adjust those and then when Cade got hurt Omari we really needed to adjust our expectations last night who were the three best players on the floor in the game against the players? Excuse me, against the Blazers. Damian Lillard, Anthony Simons, and Jeremy Grant. The Blazers had the three best players on the floor, Omari. Yeah, all these guys have been the least scorers this season, too. Yeah, so, like, how is he supposed to win that game? Now, if you want to fault the effort and the defense and some of that stuff, okay. But again, some of that comes back to the players as well. So, I would say some thick skin, Hopefully some patience from the fan base. And then I, I'll, my one, here's my one critique, Amari. If, if you, I'll, I'll, I'll critique Dwayne Casey. I don't like the end of the game strategy. When it's a close game, I don't like the isolation possessions because they don't have Cade Cunningham. I think he should take a different strategy for closing out games like the Clippers game and that collapse and all of that where it essentially went isolation. I would like a different strategy in those situations. That's There's a critique. And I'll say this. I want to see more opportunities for Killian Hayes late in games yes. to create plays because we've seen him hit clutch shots this season. Uh, he's still the best passer on the roster. And sometimes his leash for the guards could be a lot shorter uh, than for some of the veteran players, uh, which like Killian Hayes makes mistakes too. Like I'm not saying that he's earned the entire benefit of the doubt yet, but he is still a, uh, a future franchise player. And maybe he's having the game where he's struggling this and that. I do want to see what he could do late in games a little bit more than we've seen so far. Uh, I mean, we've seen him close games out. Uh, let's see if he can continue to rise to the moment and, and, and minimize those mistakes. I think he kind of holds Killian Hayes and Jaden Ivey to the same standard. But I think Killian is ahead of Ivy right now, and he's probably earned a little bit more of the benefit of the doubt. So that would be my resolution. I want to see more late game Killian. 
And so then like that brought up another thing. I'd like to see some offense defense subs. Like I'm doing, I'm nitpicking here, but yeah, like of course there's some, some places to improve. Let's move on to the front office. So, I mean, it can be Troy Weaver specifically, but just the front office in general from the Detroit Pistons. What, what would be a new year's resolution for GM Troy Weaver? My resolution for Troy Weaver is I want to see another aggressive offseason. I think okay. you have that the cap space, you're going to have another likely top six pick and your young core is going to be entering year four, right? And I think it's probably likely we'll see at least a couple of these guys get ex- extensions and you're going to start to move into the next phase of the restoring. So I think I think the timing now to just sort of take that leap forward makes sense. Like I'm not saying you have to make win-now moves to turn this team into a contender, but it's kind of like last season when, or last offseason when he said that the team's at ground zero now. Yeah, next season in a sense, we'll be ground zero again because K is coming back and this and that. But just from a depth standpoint, from a talent standpoint, you know, this team should probably trend a lot closer to making the playoffs or at least a play in. And they'll need help from Eastern Conference because, again, the conference is very deep right now. You know, I, I, at, at some point, you have to say, I think I think we have enough to win. And I know the organization has always kind of seen 2023 as an ideal point to make that leap forward. Uh, from everything I've heard, talking to people, I don't think case injury really impacts that. So, um, you know, just go out, get some good players, um, trust the young guys, and put a team on the floor next season that you feel pretty good um, could compete for the, the playoffs. So I think by year four, it's probably reasonable to think this team could make a leap forward. And as long as you have health, uh, it's probably time to turn the page and say, all right, now we're going to start competing. Okay, so I don't disagree with anything you said, but I actually put patience. And I think my patience is in terms of like, I don't want to see them go make some splash, crazy big move. I think that would be speeding up the process a little bit too much. And, and my my points would be look like the Chicago Bulls, look at the Minnesota Timberwolves, like those major moves didn't pan out well. Now the counters would be like the Cleveland Cavaliers, right? The Cavs went out, they got Donovan Mitchell, and it looks like that was the right move. The Phoenix Suns, when they went and got CP3, even though it hasn't turned into a championship. So I still want, I think you can acquire a lot of talent this offseason and young talent again without just going crazy. Like, I don't want to see him overspend on a free, uh, on a, not on a long-term free agent, right? Babcock brought this up. Keith Smith has brought this up when we've talked to him as well. A one-year contract can't be a bad contract. So if they want to go pay someone one year, 20 million, 25 million to fill a role, I'm cool with that. I'm just saying I think they're still one year away from the big trade or the big free agent move. So th- I want to see patience in that way, I guess. And yeah, and I want to clarify, I'm not saying they should go out and trade for Bradley Bill or Okay, yeah, or, exactly. or Zach Levine or anything like that. Like I think that would be a bit hasty. Uh, you know, you wanted to rebuild this the right way, you wanted to do it through the draft and this and that. And I'm all for that. Um, I'm thinking more along the lines of like another move for a guy like a bogey, right? Like, or if you look at the model that Atlanta Hawks followed in uh, 2020, uh, before they made that Easter Conference Finals run in 2021, where you have young talent and then you just go out and you get really good veterans, right? You're not necessarily mortgaging your future for these players, but you're getting good veterans on good contracts and you're just trusting that your young players could step up and that they're ready to win. So no, don't. You know, don't package, you know, however many picks and young players for, you know, a superstar and, and repeat Blake Griffin or, um, you know, any of the other miscues they've had in the past. Don't be hasty, but, you know, continue the aggression you've shown so far. I just want to continue to see that. 
you know, I think if this were an offseason where they say maybe it's time to dial back a little bit, maybe we're not there yet. That may be the right decision in the end. But I think the longer you rebuild, the longer that things have a chance to sort of go askew right. And, you know, and this is year three. Um, at a certain point, you just kind of have to give the team a chance to compete and see what happens. So, no, don't. I'm not saying trade for Bradley Bill or anything like that, but just the, pay, the path they're on now where they've positioned themselves to make a leap next season, stick to that. Yeah, they, they got to take a step forward, right? Like, there, there, there yeah. needs to be a legitimate, tangible step forward next season. I also just want to point out real quick, we don't get, need to get into it. We'll have plenty of time in the offseason. But it also depends on who you draft. Because if you draft Victor Wimbenyama, I think you have your starting five. If you draft Scoot Henderson, you have your starting five. You get after those guys, like it depends on how you feel about the Thompson twins. Like if you fall to five or six, now you might not be drafting a starter. So there's a spot at the three to start someone that, you know, isn't currently on the roster. Bogey to still start there. So, you know, you get the number one pick and that changes all the game plans because you just got hopefully your franchise changer along with Cade. So I just want to point that out as well. Like that, where you land in the draft is going to dictate a lot of this offseason as well. Let, let's just have a couple personal ones here, mate. We don't have to get into our individual, but I do want to do one. The Pistons pulse as a whole, Amari. We haven't even done this 12 months. We are coming up on a year, which is crazy, but not even a year into this thing. What is your New Year's resolution 2023 for this podcast and what we got going? Continue our momentum. I've, honestly, I think our first 10 months have been uh, really encouraging. And I mean, you just see the feedback we've gotten and the audience that we've grown. And uh, it's been pretty gratifying, honestly. Uh, you know, I probably, it probably didn't even cross my mind to really do a podcast until a couple of years ago. And now we're doing it. And it's been a lot of fun. And it's been great to just have the interaction on Twitter and see how many people look forward to hearing our voices every every Tuesday or, you know, this week, Wednesday, but we'll be back to Tuesday next week. And that's been great. You know, so I just want to continue to see that momentum, um, you know, more great guests, you know, while keeping in mind that, you know, I also think we've realized that for a lot of people, they tune in to hear us, right? You know, it's great to have guests, but, you know, continue to develop our chemistry and uh, provide the analysis on the team that people want. So, I mean, really encouraging 10 months, like you said, not even a year in yet, uh, which is crazy because it feels like it's been longer than a year, honestly. I like what we've done so far, and I just want to continue to see us push ourselves and take it to the next level. Yeah, and I want to point out, like, Omari, Wes, like, are two of my better friends in the world. Like, like they've I've become close with both of those guys. So, like, this is what that's one of the coolest things. Like, if whatever happens with the podcast, wherever it goes, like, it's pretty cool to develop friendships with these guys and, you know, talk about life things. Wes is always telling me about renovating his house and all that. I'm like, man, you're way more of a handyman than me and you know Mari and I have had some real life conversations when we've been able to have a supper you know together and stuff like that so that's been really cool so I I had three Omari one I want to get us on YouTube that's one big thing I want to get our fan base some merchandise and then finally I'm coming in April and we've talked about this and so I want to start putting it into the universe because I think it might happen I really want to meet our fans in person do a live recording me and you somewhere in Detroit West there with us make it a big deal have the fan base come out and listen to a live recording so if you're listening to this, if you follow us and listen all the way till the end of the podcast, let us know. Reach out, send an email, Twitter DM, whatever. Let us know if you would be interested in coming out to a live recording in April whenever I'm in it. I think it's going to be warm enough in, in April, right? If we did something outside or I guess maybe we could be inside if it wasn't warm yet. Yeah, a lot of that comes down to what the groundhog sees a shadow. <laughs> uh, you know, I think you know, I think April could skew either way. So hopefully it'll be uh, warm and some sun. Uh, more than likely it'll probably be 
44 degrees and rainy, but, uh, you know, the knock on wood, we'll see. So, yeah, I mean, a lot of big plans, obviously, that we've talked about really since the podcast launched. And ideally, we'll see 2023 be a year where a lot of it comes into fruition. So we know a lot of you want to see merch and uh, just give us feedback on what you want to see. Uh, you know, we have discussions about this stuff behind the scenes a lot. Uh, we're always planning. We're always scheming. So um, tell us what you want. And it gives us an idea of what we need to be doing. Final thing, Amar, do you have one for yourself? I put one down. I'm going to try some new foods this year. Like you guys have talked, okay. you guys have talked to me. You've given me hate. Like I probably get more hate on Twitter <laughs> about my food takes than anything else that I talk about. So I will try to expand my horizon when it comes to my food diet in 2023. I like that. I'm glad you brought that up. And we can't stay on this tangent too long, but uh, I'm in Portland right now. And with the Voodoo Donuts, one of the oh. most famous donut spots in the world. And I got a maple bacon donut, and it was fantastic. Uh, so when you come here in April, I'm going to have to per- procure a maple ba- bacon donut for you. And that'll, that'll be a big chapter in your food journey, Bryce. Uh, the one for me, you know, this year, like, you know, I used to be a lot more sentimental about New Year's and stuff. And this year, I was just like, uh, you know, I feel like I'm doing all right. Like, you know, I don't necessarily need any any big sweeping changes. Uh, the main thing for me every year, like when it's warm outside, like I'm active, like I like to swim, I like to bike, do stuff. When it gets cold out, my energy gets cut in half and you couple that with, you know, working three, four nights a week, travel, all, all that stuff. It's really hard to establish a good, uh, just fitness schedule. So I'm going to make a point to use the hotel gyms and when I'm home, get back to the YMCA. And if it's not cardio, like, Maybe it could just be like a bulk phase, right? Like just I'm just gonna <laughs> eat and you know just lift some weights, but not, then I could get back into the pool over the summer. But uh, I can't let myself go during the, during during the season, man. Like I gotta I gotta stick to the routine. So that's my. So just a little insight in, into my life. I, I'm the same. I, I'll run outside in the summer, but obviously it's cold in Kansas. It does get cold. I know, believe it or not, it was like negative 30 wind chill the other day. We, I go to our garage and I literally jog in place. So I turn a podcast on and I just jog in place in the garage. So like, I'm sure I look stupid as heck doing that, um, but that's my workout. And then of course I coach basketball, coach football. So I'm always on my feet doing that stuff as well. Um, I do a little bit of weightlifting, but for the most part, that's what it is. But yeah, I, I love to hear that. It's going to be a big year, I think, for both of us individually, for Wes, for us collectively. Um, really appreciate you guys. Appreciate everybody at Freep and putting the Pistons Pulse together. Omari, take it away, my guy. Yes, happy new year to our listeners. Big things ahead. Thank you for the support so far and excited to see where we are this time next year. Uh, some big thanks to our, our audio producers, Kerry the II and Robin Chad. Our executive producer, Ezra Delgado, and our support senator, Kirkley Crawford. Also, shout out to Wes. We'll talk to you all next Tuesday. Just going to run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts.